As you know, we are in our Advent series right now. We're in the second week of that. Last week we covered um, hope. This week we're moving into the topic of, of peace. And so before we jump into that, though, I got two things I want to draw your attention to that I want to announce that we didn't want to put on the announcement video earlier because they're ones that we wanted to spend a little bit more time on, make sure everybody heard. Um, one of those is to tell you uh, about some changes. Well, both of them are about changes that we've got going on in our staff. The first of those is many of you know Paul Goddard. Uh, Paul Goddard has been our pastor over missions for uh, the past several years, 10 years, give or take. He actually took that role after I vacated to that. Um, and Paul and Sylvia have been ministering through missions department and missions leadership team, serving our missionaries, helping stir up a, a passion for missions within this congregation for all those years. And they've done a phenomenal job. But Paul feels uh, that he is going into a new season of life where he is actually taking a role with Pioneer Bible Translators. Um, his goal is to kind of uh, end his season of ministry through Pioneer Bible Translators. We're going to send him out as a missionary. We're going to financially support Paul as he's going to be helping continue to further uh, the vision of mission, but not just within this church, but beyond into the city and all throughout this country. And so we're super excited for what Paul is going to be doing in the future. Sylvia, his wife, is going to continue to serve here and be a, a member of our staff and help us with our guest services. But Paul is going to be transitioning out um, in early January. And so we're going to have times to pray over him and send him out. Um, and we're so grateful for him. But I want to let you know that ahead of time so that as you see Paul and Sylvia, just give them your love. Make sure they know how much uh, you have appreciated them. Uh, many of you have been on missions trips that they've led. Uh, some of you have been part of the missions leadership team. They've just done a phenomenal job. And we're so grateful for the service and the ministry that God has done uh, through Paul. The other announcement that I want to make is that many of you know we have been in a search for a youth pastor, and we've been looking through a lot of fantastic candidates. We've been spending a lot of time going through interviews and talking to different individuals. And let me just tell you, like it was not easy at all. Uh, God gave us some phenomenal uh, people uh, to consider, and it was really, really hard. But we just prayed and prayed and prayed and feel like the Lord has um, led us to the right person to take on the role of youth pastor. So on the screen, you'll see a picture of our new youth pastor and his wife, um, Brandon and Ashley Gologly, and their two kids in that little strip, if you can't see it, is the third one um, that you can't see yet is on our way. Um, and so super excited to announce Brandon and Ashley will be starting with us uh, December 19th will be their first time uh, here with us. And so we're just, we're so excited. I've gotten to know them a lot and I could not be more excited for them to pour into my kids' lives. Like I took this really serious because I have a junior higher and a middle and a senior high uh, student. And so this was really important. We wanted the right person to be pouring into our own kids. And we are really, really, really excited for them and believe that God has um, brought the right person at the right time, the right season. And so we can't wait to introduce you in person to them, but we wanted to let you know of that exciting news as we head into the Christmas season. With that being said, I want to go ahead and invite Beth back up to read for us out of God's Word this morning. If you would, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 8 through 15. And if you're able, please stand with me out of respect for God's Word as Beth reads for us this morning. Beth? Good morning, church family. The text for the sermon today is, June, is Luke 2, 8 through 15. And, this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Beth. Pray with me. Father, we enter into uh, this moment in our service, this moment where we've gathered together with all kinds of distractions and things going on in our lives to hear from your word. And this is a text that a lot of us know. Um, Many of us have been hearing this text since we were just little kids, and we've heard of the angels coming to the shepherds and and communicating these beautiful and glorious promises of a Savior, of a child uh, to come and to bring salvation. And so I know, at least from my own heart, and so I'm just praying maybe from my own experience, Lord, but I know it's easy for me to just kind of blow by this and to to just miss the glory of it all and the astounding reality of what you have done, that you have entered into this world to be with us, to be with us in a way that nobody expected. And so, Lord, as we now go on and talk about peace, Lord, I know and and you know in my own heart, even as we talked about hope last week and talk about peace this week, I I often feel like a hypocrite talking about these things because I, I uh, there, there's moments where I feel like I can put my hope in you, and there's moments where I can find my peace in you, but yet there's those also seasons and times where, man, it's just a struggle, where we, I want to put our hope, my hope in other things. I want to put my peace and find my peace in other things. And, and Lord, I want to pray this morning for myself. I pray for all of us here that are present. Lord, that you would just help us to be able to fix our eyes more, more assuredly upon you this season. But Lord, as we struggle through that, and as we wrestle through that, that we would even more in this season, more than we ever have before, be able to find our peace only in you and only in your son. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak this morning through me. I pray that you would speak through your word. I pray that your spirit would do a work in each of us this morning. They're here, those that are yours and those that are not yours, um, those that don't know you. We're glad they're here. And I pray, Lord, that you would just work in their hearts. But Father, we just give this time to you, and we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, so like I said, last week we talked about hope, and this week we're continuing on to talk about the, the topic or the idea of, of peace. And my guess is most of you at some point in your life ha- have come to that space where you've whispered in your head, man, like, I, I, just, I just need a little bit of peace. Just, I, I need a little bit of peace and quiet. Right? Like maybe it's because your kids are being crazy, or maybe it's because your job is nuts, maybe it's because life is crazy, circumstances are crazy, there's difficulties, but you just you just get to that place where you're like, I just need to go into the bathroom and turn the shower on and pretend like I'm taking a shower and sit in a corner and hear nobody talking to me, right? Like, we've all been there. Like, we just want to have that moment of, of, of peace in our lives. And the angels come, and we hear this text, and we hear the angels proclaim this, this unbelievable promise 
a promise to peace to everyone who God is pleased with. Now, that is a, that's a massive promise. That is a huge promise. It's a staggering promise. And as I was thinking about the sermon, I was praying, like, okay, God, what is it that you would like me to share? And, and what is it we need to hear? What do I need to hear from this season in this time? I realized that most of our world, a lot of our world, is trying to find some form of peace. Some form of peace to answer that moment of like, man, I just need one minute, just one second of peace and quiet. Now, I know it looks different for everybody. And some of us in this room, you've, you've found some peace in Jesus Christ. You found that there's seasons and there's moments that you find a peace in Jesus and that, that you just really can't understand or you can't really articulate and it's there, but yet you also know there's moments where you don't feel that peace. And so it's kind of this ebb and flow all the time. But even outside of the church, we see that the world is always looking for some form of peace, that there's all kinds of turmoil in our lives. Some people, they're looking for peace from a gnawing guilt in their hearts. Some people are looking for peace from constant pressure, a pressure to perform at work, a pressure to perform at school, a pressure to perform in your, your mu- music or your mu- musician work or at, on the sports, whatever it is, like you feel this constant pressure to perform. Some are desiring peace from sickness. I mean, you've just been underneath a sickness that ravages your body. like You feel it every single day. Some are looking for peace from this constant work that has to be done. Anybody ever feel like you're done with all the work around your house? You're done with all the work at, at, at your job? Like There's just always something else. Some people are looking for peace from the voice, voices in their head that just remind them every day, you're a failure. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not attractive enough. You're never going to be smart enough. You're never going to be able to do the things that you don't want to do and be the person that everybody expects you to be. You're, you're, just, you're just a failure. Some are looking for peace from the pain that's caused by betrayal or loss or abandonment or hurt or abuse or neglect. Some people are just looking for peace from that relationship that just brings conflict all the time. Now, we've all been there. Some are looking for peace from dissatisfaction in our lives. In fact, for a lot of people, life can sometimes barely feel livable. It's just the day in and the day out of monotony, and it just feels like things are gray, and you're like, I don't, like, why do I, why do I even just move forward in life? Peace from the grind, peace from pain, peace from constant needs of others pressing in on you, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, peace from boredom, peace from expectations, Peace from always to have, have your mask on perfect, to look the part, to be seen the way that you want everybody to see you. Peace from never feeling like you've arrived. Peace from the addiction. Peace from the fight with sin. Like we want a truce. The world wants a truce. And most of us, including myself, no matter how good or bad our lives appear on the outside, like we can identify this feeling in us. And maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you're in a place where you don't feel that. You feel a sense of peace, and that's awesome, but you've felt it before, and likely you know you're going to feel it again someday. Like this constant desire, like, man, I just want peace. And some of us, like we just busy ourselves up so much that we just don't even realize that it's present. Like we just get so busy, we don't even realize that our busyness is actually causing some of that turmoil in our lives. And so as we think about that, and we think about peace and what God offers to bring us, we can't oftentimes find the truths that we want. 
We can't find the peace that we want. And so we start to look for escape. We escape from the person. We escape from the situation. We escape from the internal thoughts. We escape from the feelings. We run to all kinds of different things. The bottle is going to make us numb. The joint is going to make us numb. The, that purchase at the store is going to help us to forget what it is that we're struggling or that's going to help promise to give us overcome. The Botox is going to help us escape time. The plate of food is going to fill our stomachs and distract us. That pornography is going to draw us into a world where everyone else serves us. The likes on Instagram and face is going to help, Facebook is going to help us escape the feeling of insufficiency in our lives. That new relationship, that's going to help us bury the old one. Hardening our hearts, building up walls, not letting other people into our lives is going to protect us and help us escape from being abandoned again. Holding on to control helps us feel like we can protect ourselves. Sometimes even going to church can be a way to help us escape from the guilt that we feel. And listen, I know that I didn't mention something that everybody here can relate to, although I'm trying really hard, right? And you're like, man, this is a lot of lists. And it is a lot of lists because it's easy for us to be like, oh, someone else does that. Or someone else feels that. And I don't feel that. But we all feel it at some level. And listen, not all these things are even bad. My point's not to be like, oh, like if you do this or you do that, like that's all bad. Just like last week when we talk about hope, it's good to enjoy the things that God has given to us. It's good to be excited about those things, but to put our hope in them is wrong and to try to find peace in these things is wrong, even if it's church. Because church can't give you peace. I want you to come to church. Right? Like that's, so I just want to make sure we're really clear with what we're talking about here. But man, Christmas has this tendency to heighten our sensitivity and our desire for peace, doesn't it? Or our lack of peace. Sometimes it gives us this temporary taste of peace. It comes with the lights and the hope of a quiet snow, a warm fire, a cup of coffee. Some of you who don't like coffee, what, tea maybe, I guess? I don't know. Something's wrong with you, but it's okay. I think that's why scenes like this over here, they're so alluring to us, aren't they? Like, they're so intoxicating. And you know what's amazing, and this is important for us to recognize, like, the world, the world wants this too. And you can have this over here without Jesus, can't you? Now, you don't need Jesus to have a tree with fun lights and presents underneath it and a warm fire. Like, you can have all of that. Like, 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 like we love this, and we're ex- excited for this. Listen, I'm looking forward to the moment where I don't have to go to work and I get to stay home and enjoy this. There's nothing wrong with that, but the world is looking for a peace in that. And there's this peace that can be had in Christmas that's far greater and far better. And that's the question for us. Is there a peace to be had in the promise of Christmas? I'm going to assume that most of us know what Christmas is about, that most of us understand that Christmas is about the celebration and the good news of God becoming flesh, that he might reconcile himself or to himself a people, you and me, to save us from our sins and bring us into life, an abundant life nonetheless. Like most of us recognize that. Most of us have lived our entire lives understanding that, but there's some who don't. And there's some that have never given themselves to it. But the ultimate reality of it is this, that while this is nice, Jesus is the substance of the promise for peace that the angels made 2,000 years ago. Jesus is. None of this. You can have Jesus and none of this and still have peace. 
That's the truth of Christmas. And the angels told the shepherds that day that Jesus would be the focal point, the hope of every Christmas in that moment and every single Christmas from then on, every single day, every month, every moment of our lives can have the peace that was promised to those shepherds 2,000 years ago. I want us to look at a few things that Jesus said to us in the book of John that further deepened the promise that the angels gave to the shepherds. And before I read this, it's important for us to understand the context that Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying this in John chapter 14, right before he's about to go to the cross. And just think about that. This is the end of his, his time, the end of his ministry. He knows exactly what is about to happen. And Jesus says this to his disciples in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now just imagine saying that just a few short moments before you're going to be crucified. Would any of us be concerned about giving peace to the people around us? Or would you be concerned about giving peace for yourself? Like I'd be like, I'm terrified, I'm freaked out, don't want this to happen, I'd like some of this peace, don't really care about yours. But Jesus says, listen, in face of what I'm about to do, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now what do we learn from what Jesus says in John 14? Well first, for those that are follow, are going to be followers of him, peace is something that he has left for us to take hold of. Peace is something that he leaves for us to take hold of. The promise of Christmas and what Jesus offers us is not a peace that we can make or strive to attain. It is something to take hold of. Maybe a better way to say this is something for us to rest in because it's given to us. Man, this is really contrary to the world in which we talked about just a few minutes earlier, isn't it? where you feel turmoil in yourself and you do everything you can in your power to use all the things around you to find peace, to get rid of the turmoil, to bring reconciliation, to fix the problem. Like we're grasping and trying to fix it all of our own. And what Jesus is saying is like this piece, the one we're gonna talk about today, like I give it to you, I leave it to you. It's like I left it there on the table. You need to come pick it up and actually rest in it. It's a piece that he's given to us. And since it's something that's given to us, if we aren't experiencing peace, that's evidence that we aren't resting in the peace that he left. I want to say that again. As Christians, if we are not experiencing peace, that is only evidence that we are not resting in the peace that he left because he left it for us. It's there for us to take hold of. So if you don't feel it, if you don't experience it, you haven't taken hold of it. But what kind of peace are we talking about? He goes on to tell us, look again at John 14, 14 John 14, again, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's his peace, not ours. He gives us peace. He gives his peace. As we look at his peace, before we even get to the substance of that, we have to contrast it with the world's peace because that's what Jesus does. He says, my peace, it's not like the world's peace. It's different. It's important to note that the world does 
give us a form of peace, doesn't it? And he gives us all kinds of options for it. The world's offering of peace is like a buffet. We have something for whatever ails you. We've already talked about some of this. If you have pain, you can numb it with some sort of a suppressant. You can mask it with some sort of a pleasure. If you have pressure in your life, you can escape that with procrastination. You can get away from it, or, or you can take a vacation, or you can use maybe a lack of integrity to get a little bit further up the ladder faster than you expected to. There is a peace that comes from some of the things that we've talked about. And I already said, like, the world loves this idea because they experience peace from this idea. Like, they, they, they come home from work and they enjoy it. They, they experience it. Like, like, I long for this. Everybody longs for that. There's a peace that comes from the world. I can find a peace from a lot of things surrounding Christmas. But remember the contrast that Jesus is saying. What's the difference between the world's peace and his peace? What characterizes the world's peace? That's what I want to look at. What is the characteristics of worldly peace? Well, first and foremost, it's temporary. It's temporary. Always, always temporary. If you find peace in anything in this world, you're going to find that it's temporary. So let's just take it for example. Let's say you're looking forward to December 24th, the last day of work, and you get to take a whole two weeks off, and you get to experience this every morning, every night, and it's just a fantastic time, and you enjoy time with your family and your friends, and you get to play games and eat lots of food. Guess what? You still have to go back to work, right? That's how we feel, some of us. I don't know who that was. I'm not going to tell because your boss may be in here. But you still have to go back. Like it's temporary. Like it doesn't last. Like you can escape from it, but it's going to come back. Like if if you're in a broken relationship and it's causing all kinds of turmoil in your life and you're like, oh man, like I'm just going to get rid of that person and I'm going to come over to this person and oh, there's so much peace here. Guess what? It's going to come right back because we're all people. Have you ever had a relationship that never experienced turmoil with anybody who can speak? Like, I don't know. I was thinking of a baby, but even babies cause turmoil. Like like every relationship. So you can escape at one place, but if you find peace, it's just temporary. It's coming back. So the world offers all kinds of peace, but it's temporary peace. Secondly, the world's peace, like it avoids the issue. It doesn't fix the issue. Think about it. It avoids the issue. It doesn't fix the issue. In fact, sometimes and oftentimes, it creates more of a problem. So let me take it a little bit more of extreme an example. Let's say that you just are struggling at work and it's a hard day, man, and you just have been dealing with difficult people all day from work and you just want to escape from that. And so you're just depressed, you're frustrated. And so you decide, I'm gonna go out to the bar afterwards and I'm gonna drink a little bit. And man, I drink a little bit and that makes me forget all this challenge of my work. And that's, that's, a, that's a nice way for me to just kind of relax and find peace. Well, guess what? Alcohol is a depressant. When it's all said and done, when you stop drinking, your problem's worse, not better. Right? So, so it, not only does it, is it temporary, but it just says, let's just avoid the problem. Let's not try to fix the problem because that can be oftentimes harder, right? And, and let's just avoid the problem. And then oftentimes we find that it's even worse when we get back to it. Like vacation. I dread the day after I go back to work the day after a vacation because you have like 700 emails. It's worse. 
right? Like we know that. So the world's peace is temporary. It avoids, it does not fix, but it also requires an ever deeper pursuit. Now, let me just explain what I mean. Like, let's go back to the alcohol issue. Let's say you find a little peace in the alcohol. Well, the next time you go and drink, it doesn't provide the same amount of peace, so you have to drink more. And then the next time, it doesn't offer the same amount of peace, and so you have to drink more. And then before long, you're an alcoholic. You're a functioning alcoholic. You start drinking in the morning. This is the way it works with everything. Pornography, food addictions, like anything. So yeah, you go home and you want peace, and so you go to that carton of ice cream, it starts with one scoop, and then the next time it's two, and the next time it's three. Sounds like my house. Personally, I love ice cream. I'm always looking for more ice cream, right? But my point is like this, it's an ever-deepening pursuit. Like you find a little peace, and you've got to go deeper, 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 and then you become enslaved. So the world's peace oftentimes requires an even deeper pursuit. And that's important for me to say this isn't always the case. These are not every time the point, or not all of these are connected to each other in every single circumstance. The fourthly, world's peace creates turmoil in other areas of life. And I say, well, wait a minute. If I find peace in one, how does it create other turmoil in my life? Well, let me give you another example. I say, again, you're having another hard day at work and you come home to a scene like this, and male, female, doesn't make any difference, but let's say you go in and, and you, you're just like, man, I'm so tired, and I just need one minute. I need one moment of peace and quiet, and so you sit down on this couch that's over here, and you start doing the death scroll on your phone, right, while your wife or your husband is doing the dinner, cleaning the dishes, putting the kids to bed. They're screaming and yelling, I need a bath, I need this, and you're scrolling. You find peace in that moment, maybe from all of the work that you've had all day long, you might find it, but guess what? You now have a whole nother war in front of you with your spouse, don't you? Because while you were sitting on the couch finding peace, now you've got all kinds of other turmoil around you. So sometimes when we find the world's peace, it actually creates more turmoil in other areas of our lives. This is what characterizes it. Sometimes the world's peace is like, just, just survive. Like, I just got to get through it. I saw this all the time with people that I met in Poland when I was there just last year uh, with the Ukrainian crisis that was going on. People that were just like, man, life is not worth living right now. It's hard. It's difficult. We just need to survive just day in and day out. Like, I just got to get through today. Just get through the season, and it will get better, and I'll find peace. And so life is just kind of this monotony and this boredom of like, man, I just need to survive it. That's not how God intends us to live. Sometimes that's the way the world's peace tries to drive us. Some of you, you live your life like this. Like, I just, just need to survive. You don't have any real hope of a flourishing life or a flourishing marriage. Just get through it. You don't have any, li- any real hope of a, of, of a flourishing life and an enjoyable and a life-giving kind of job. You just kind of get through it. You're just trying to survive. Jesus does not offer this kind of peace. His peace is entirely different. So let's look at his peace. The characteristics of Jesus' peace. One, his peace is eternal. We know this because Jesus is not subject to time or to death. He defeated that. We know this because his peace is anchored to him, not our circumstances or something that is going to fade or to leave us. Now just think about what he said and how he was talking about peace in the midst of about to go to the cross. 
Like his peace doesn't have anything to do with circumstance. It's anchored in an eternal truth and an eternal reality. And Jesus is that eternal reality. Look at John again, John 16, verse 33. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Now, I, that, that, we need to remind ourselves of this, right? Because Jesus isn't saying, like, I'm going to give you peace by the removal of all tribulation in this world. I'm going to be your peace in the midst of the tribulation. I'm going to be your peace in the midst of the tribulation. He has left us his peace, and it's the same peace that he had as he was about to go to the cross. He gives us an eternal perspective. Things here will seek to take your and my peace. Circumstances here will seek to take your and my peace. People, relationships here will seek to take your and my peace. But circumstances, circumstances cannot rob our eternal security. We are eternally secure, and that helps us face any circumstance with hope. Amen? I don't have to fight to secure my future. And just re restate that same. I don't have to fight to secure my future. How much of your peace is taken from you because you're afraid of what's going to happen in the future? I don't have to fight for that. I can trust the Lord. He's eternal. My eternal security is, is it's, it's secure in him. Like I'm, I'm anchored in him. I'm rooted to him. And so are all who are in Jesus Christ. So his, his peace is eternal, but it also fixes every problem. Everything that causes a lack of peace originates in one place, and that is the enemy. Sin, death, and brokenness. And I want, to be I want us to be reminded that one day he's going to deal with all of that. Romans 16, the God of peace, interesting term. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Under whose feet? Your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The God of peace is going to soon crush Satan. He is going to fix every single problem. Now listen, I'll be really clear. That doesn't mean that every one of the things that's in your life right now that's robbing you of peace is gonna just be miraculously fixed if you become a Christian or as a Christian. But I will tell you this, that the more you live in accordance with God's law and the more you live in accordance with his spirit and walk in those things, you will find a peace that passes understanding even if the world around you is burning. Like, it's something that's hard to explain. Like, listen, if your marriage is a disaster, 95% chance, okay, never mind, 100% chance is because one or both of you are not living the way Christ has called you to. And if you submit yourself to him and begin to follow him and trust him, then you will find peace in your marriage and healing and reconciliation. Like, I genuinely believe that. But in the end, our hope isn't here. Right? We talked about that last week. The ultimate peace we're going to have is the day where he crushes Satan underneath our feet. Amen. We can look forward to that. One person clapped like this. Okay, okay there we go. That's better. That's going to happen for us. And it's not going to be a truce. It is an utter defeat. Like, there's no peace treaty between Satan and Jesus. Jesus wins. Like, he crushes him. He already did win. Right? Amen. Like he's been crushed. He's been defeated. 
So his peace, man, like it's, it's secure in that. Next, it never runs dry. His peace calls for an ever-deepening pursuit. So it's no different than some drug that you have to go to over and over and over and over again. The beauty of it is, is you can go over and over and over and over again to Jesus and find nothing but more peace, more joy, more, more reconciliation and life in him. Like it's a well that never runs dry. So if you have experienced a little peace in Jesus, why aren't you, why aren't you pursuing more? Well, like it's like the meal that never has to end. It's like, the, it's like the well you keep going back to and getting more drink from. And so you can constantly find more and more and more. Next, it invades every single pace, space of our lives. There is not a single part of your life or of my life that Jesus cannot bring peace to. Not one place. And going to him for peace in one area is going to promise to bleed into other areas and you will find true peace in your life. Again, I'm not saying this is a, a flat out promise to fix every problem in one day. No, no, it's hard and you have to labor and you have to drive and push towards and pursue Jesus day in and day out. But the more Jesus conforms your entire life into the image of himself, the more peace you will find in every area of your life. Like finances, relationships, entertainment, everything. Like he offers more. It invades every part. There's nothing that's left. Next, his peace brings life, newness of life. A life the way that it was intended to be. A restoration of all of the years that the locusts have eaten. A true purpose that fills and brings joy. It's gonna be hard. Oftentimes it's challenging but it's worth the effort to drive into Jesus, to lean into Jesus, to find your peace in Jesus. So in all this contrast, I still haven't answered the big question. What is it? Like, what is it actually? Like, we can talk about it and we see, like, what is it actually? We see that he left it. We see that it's his, but what is it? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let, me, let me paraphrase this. This text is basically saying that therefore, if you, have, if you have put your trust in Jesus to cover your sins, to lead you to life, to help lead your life in every area, every avenue of your life, and then, then you have been made right with God, reconciled, justified. You've been brought back into relationship with him. You have peace with God. His peace is with God, and he gives it to us. And here's why this matters so much. So many people see this promise simply as a means of addressing and dealing with his wrath and hell. I mean, that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like, that feels great to have that weight taken off of my back. Like, I am so grateful that I don't have to be worried about his wrath or his or, or hell. I'm so grateful that when the accuser accuses me or when I hear those whispers of, of failure or I'm not good enough or, man, am I even a Christian, that my hope is not anchored in what I do or what I say. My hope is anchored in the promise of Jesus Christ. And that is assured, that is anchored, it is given, and I am so glad for it. But brothers and sisters, it is so much better than that. 
It is so much more than that. It is so much profoundly more than that. This peace, it surpasses understanding, as Paul puts it. It's because we cannot even begin to grasp what is available to us through Jesus Christ. That's a lifelong journey. And it isn't just about feeling good or having more material things or no suffering or anything else. It's about a promise. It's about a promise. Peace. It's about every single eternal promise that God has made to his people is now yours. It's now mine. Every promise. Forgiveness of sin. That he, unlike every other person in our lives, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That he knows every single hair on your head, every thought you're thinking right now, every thought you thought on the way into the space, whether you said anything or not, every word that's going to come out of your mouth, and you know what? He still loves you. That's amazing. No matter what happens in this life, for good or for bad, he is able to turn it to good, even if it's your own fault because of sin. And that good, it's eternal good. It's not a temporal good. It's for our good eternally. He promises to dwell with us. He promises to lead us to life. And one that's abundant, even in the midst of loss. He promises to wipe every tear from our eyes and to extend his victory over death in Jesus to us. It's a promise to give us the eternal body and an eternal earth to live in where we're no longer separated from him. A promise to win the war, to remove everything that causes us turmoil in this life. It is a promise that the God who spoke everything into existence. So just think about this. If this is really true, then the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who spoke Mount Everest into existence, the God who spoke the Marinera Trench into existence, the God who spoke the oceans into existence and our lives into existence and the galaxies into existence and the universe into existence, that God is now for you, not against you. That God is now taking all of that power, all of that might, and bending it all towards your and my good for his glory. Like, that's massive. Like, like I don't know if you've ever seen one of those kids that like gets to that place where they, 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 they're faced with a conflict and they're kind of nervous about dealing with the conflict until dad's standing behind them. And then they're like, oh yeah, well, let me just tell you what's wrong with you. Right, because they're not, they know dad is behind me. Man, you got something so much better than dad. Like, like the God of all creation made everything because of the hope of this little tiny baby in a manger 2,000 years ago and what he accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection has given us every single promise. Like he is for you. Don't let any circumstance tempt you to believe otherwise. He is for you. He is for me. Man, that passes me understanding for me. Like, I can't even begin to grasp it. And Jesus says the same peace he has. The same peace he had with God. And man, we are, we are walking towards the day where we get to enter into our promised land. We're going to walk through valleys, but he's going to be there leading us right towards that place, shepherding us, guiding us, guarding us, 
moving us. He's going to be moving us towards our eternal home, which is with him. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 puts it this way, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So when God promises to provide for you, amen, let it be. Amen. Because he promised it through Jesus. Like he said, now, now provision may not look the way the world says it should look, but he will give it. Like, you want peace? Amen. Let it be. Because it's yes in Jesus Christ. Now, it may not look the way the world says it's to look, but he will give it. All of his promises are yes in Jesus. So instead of looking for the world's peace, I would encourage us to look to the peace that is only found in him. When you feel the pressure to perform, you know you don't have to. Because Jesus did it for you. When you feel the turmoil and fear of your own insufficiencies, you can say, I am insufficient. But Jesus is sufficient for me. When you struggle to see your own value, you say, man, the one who knows me and and made me, he loves me so much that he would die for me. My value isn't based on what anybody in this room thinks of me. The hurt from someone's abandonment or betrayal, and you can find rest in the one who will never betray you. And he's going to deal with the sin of those who did hurt you and betray you one way or the other. You want to numb the pain? You don't have to numb the pain before you, because you have a, a Savior who walked through the pain for you. Jesus could have numbed the pain on the cross, and he chose not to. He understands. He empathizes. You can go to him and just express the pain to him and let him bring the peace. Just trying to make it through your marriage? In his ways, he can restore it and make it something that's amazing and beautiful. And I could go on piece after piece after piece of the things in our lives that we try to find like a piece in. But the point is that the promise that the angels made in Luke chapter 2 that there would be peace among those with whom he is pleased, that promise has been fulfilled. And it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas presents, and it doesn't have anything to do with lights, and it doesn't have anything to do with warm fires, all of which I love and all of which my kids are so excited for. It has only to do with the fact that 2,000 years ago, God became man. And God became man for you and for me to take upon himself our sin, that we could be reconciled to God and not experience the wrath of God. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for this reminder. I know from myself, it is one I can so quickly just just blow by and just forget and just read this and be like, oh, angels, that's awesome, and and, and just get to the presence. But, But you are offering, you have left for us a peace that is there for the taking, it's there for us to grab. And Lord, I want to pray that for each of my brothers and sisters in this room this morning, for every single person that knows you, Father, I pray that they would, they would reach out and grab it from you, that they would find it in you. The fullness of peace, the fullness of, of a peace that passes understanding, that can't be articulated all the time in words, but that can be present for us in the midst of any and every circumstance. Father, I pray that we'd find it. I pray, Lord, that we would not be seduced to look for peace from other things in this world. 
that the next time we are tempted to run to worldly things for peace, that we would remember the characteristics of the world's peace and be like, yeah, I might find it, but it's temporary. And I pray that your spirit would use that in us to then stir in our hearts a a desire to pursue you and a zeal to pursue you. Father, I pray that you would let that be the case, that you would strengthen us to endure and to keep our eyes fixed upon you in this season. Lord, I'm gonna pray for those in this room that don't know you. I know they're here. Those that have never put their faith in you. They may have an affection for you or go to church or even know some facts about you, but they've never put their faith in you. Some may not even have that stuff, but Father, they've never found peace in you. Father, I wanna pray that this morning that as they consider and they ponder and they think about the turmoil that's in their lives, that they would see that the things that we've spoken about this morning are true and that you have left upon the table a peace that passes understanding and the only way to get to it is through Jesus. In fact, he is their peace. And I pray, Lord, that you would just convict their hearts and that you would help them to, to, to put their trust in Jesus this morning. Put their hope in Jesus this morning and during this Advent season. We're gonna close our time with some communion and, and with a song. Here's what I wanna do is, as we turn into this time of communion. Around the room, there are tables that have the communion elements, um, the, the bread and the juice. And when you feel prepared, when you feel ready, I wanna invite you to come to one of those tables that's around the room. If you don't uh, have, uh, or you're not able to get up, or you just aren't comfortable to get up out of your chair, we do have a team of people that, that if you raise your hand, they'll bring you one of those communion cups. Uh, I do wanna encourage you that if you are one that's getting up to the tables, um, just be mindful of those that maybe aren't able to get up and walk. They just maybe go out the other side of the aisle instead of walk over them. Um, but, but just be mindful of that. But we want to do it this way because it's an opportunity for you to physically come to the table and be reminded of the peace that Jesus has offered. Like it's there to take hold of. And, and what we see represented in these elements is what has bought us that peace with God. Like it's what's bought us that peace. And so as you take of those elements, like you take the bread, be reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for you. And as you take of that juice, be reminded of the blood of Christ that was spilled for you, to purchase for you the peace that passes understanding. And so I wanna give you time to just reflect and to be mindful. And if you found yourself trying to run to the world for peace, confess that, lay that before the Lord, but come to him. At the same time, if you're one in this room that has never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you want to talk to somebody about that, like during this time, we'll be up here at the front, pastors, elders, prayer counselors, to just talk with you. And so I want to invite you, pastors and elders and prayer counselors, to come up to the front as we take of this time of communion. And so just come when you feel ready. Come take, eat, drink, the Lord's Supper, commune with him, and then we will commune with him in worship. Let me pray one more time. Father, I pray in this moment that your spirit would work in our hearts. You know what each of us in this room need, whether encouragement or conviction or correction, or Father, whether you need to stir our, open our eyes to see the glories of who you are for the first time. But I pray, Father, that nobody leaves this space this morning without responding to your word, without responding to the promise that you've given to us through your angels, through the shepherds so many years ago, the promise of peace. For unto us a son has been given 
And so Lord, I pray that this time just be a, a moment of, of, of just communing with you, being in your presence, abiding in your love for us as your people, a time of response. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen.